What is up, everybody? Welcome to Wayward Artists in the Wayward World. I'm Sid, and joining me today is the Artistic Director of Spokane Stage Left Theater. Please welcome Jeremy Whittington. Jeremy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Sid. Of course. You know, like, I, uh, I think when it comes to, like, theater in Spokane, um, you're, like, trailblazing here, man. Like, I... <laughs> Like I, I'm really seeing all the changes that are going on specifically with Spokane Stage Life Theater. And I'm just like, wow, like this is a theater that's in this community that really wants to like change and not just say it, you know, like most theaters are just like, hey, we want ad- diversity. We want blah, 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 blah. But they never like put in the work or the effort. And like every time I've spoken to you, you do that. And I think that's really cool. And I'm very glad to oh. have you on. Thank you. I'm super, super happy to be here. Yeah. So like for the uninitiated, can you tell like the people who you are, what you do and how do we know each other? Sure. Uh, my name's Jeremy and uh, I run Stage Left Theater with my team of, uh, of wonderful artists and board members and community members. Um, I have been a resident designer at many theaters, both in this region and uh, across the United States. Um, My wheelhouse is scenic design, or or always has been, um, with some acting sprinkled in here and there. I'm I'm kind of one of those character actors that gets the weird, juicy roles, which I really love. Um, I went to Ohio University for theater uh, back in the well, before you were born, uh, <laughs> in the early 90s, and uh, kind of stepped away from that for, for a long time, um, but landed back here uh, in Spokane a couple years ago after a three-year stint in Texas, and man, the universe and the stars just aligned perfectly, and I, um, I took over the leadership of this little theater, and um, you know, I walked into the theater, and, and they had a great mission, and they had great um past successes um but like you said you know there's there's a difference between um saying you're going to do something and doing something and i'm not trying to discount everyone that came before me i think that people really did try you know um real work and uh, injustice and equity is hard it's it's not it's not something that happens overnight it's not something that you can just say we're going to do this and it's appears um you actually have to put the work in to do it. And I was positioned in such a way that um, I had the time and the energy and the passion to to try to start making those real changes. So I really appreciate you um, saying that, that you're noticing that. Um, we met, um, well, we, I think we actually met at a show at Stage Left before we ever um, met to do any kind of filming, right? Yeah, I think it was, I was doing, well, actually, I think like we've, we might have formally met at the civics party thing like oh, uh, you're right. their, their opening okay. ceremony before you know the world crashed and burned <laughs> <laughs> absolutely that's right that's yeah. where we were formally introduced. you're right yeah yeah where was your where was your mind at that day you know like because covid was in the air like literally and figuratively <laughs> It was. So this was back in, in March of, of 2020. And I had only taken over stage left in January, January 1st. So I was relatively new in this in this whole um, theater leadership role here in Spokane and specifically at that theater. Um, when I started to watch the news and hear what was going on, I knew that decisions were going to have to be made soon. And um, we were in the middle of a production or, or of of, of staging a production. So we were getting ready to go into tech week for a show. And 
I just thought this is bigger than people are are realizing. And I actually made the call to halt all production and have everybody out of the building the day before Inslee shut down Washington. So um, I take credit for uh, shutting down first. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was a hard decision to make because you have these people, these artists who are doing this for the passion of theater and for the art. It's not like we're, you know, paying them anything or much. And to tell them, you know, two weeks before they're supposed to have a live audience that we're shutting down was, um, was a difficult thing for us to do as, as an organization, but it was the right call. Um, at that time, I remember thinking and hearing, oh, you know, May 1st is the reopening deadline. You know, we'll be, we'll be fine by May 1st. We just all need to quarantine until May 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly that didn't happen. So that sent us into kind of a, a whirlwind of making new decisions because we had two, two shows on our docket for that season. We had just literally the week before announced our 2020 season. Um, so we had to kind of, um, you know, dodge and roll with the punches and decide what are we going to do moving forward? We eventually um, had to cancel the two shows that were on that season's docket. Um, we put a holding pattern on all of the shows that were supposed to be in 2020, 2021. Um, and as COVID progressed and we were all literally locked down, um, we actually canceled all of the shows from the 2020 season, um, knowing that we were not going to be back on stage in September, like we had hoped. So it's been, um, it's been a process. And, and then we pivoted to uh, online streaming and we were one of the first, uh, well, we're the only one in the region that really pivoted that way, but we were one of the first community theaters in the country to take the reins and really embrace what online streaming looks like. So um, I think that it worked to our benefit and to the benefit of the community to have some sort of artistic expression happening during, during COVID, some sort of local representation, something to do. You know, we're artists, we like to do and create. And when we can't do that, as you know, it's debilitating, it's depressing, it's um, our souls are stifled, really. And so finding a new way to integrate the necessary technology and make schedules that worked for people and all doing this while safe, right? So, you know, we had uh, a film crew of four people and one actor would come in and everybody's masked up. We take their temperature when they walk in the door, they sign in, uh, they walk on stage with their mask on, take their mask off, do their monologue, mask up and leave. I mean, it was, uh, it became uh, kind of like um, a conveyor belt of, of monologues <laughs> in those first couple of days, just trying to make sure that everyone remained safe and six feet distance and, and then seeing uh, how it was received in the community. And I, I think there were, there was hesitation on many people's part that, oh, this isn't theater, you know, this is this is filmed. And of course it is because we're all quarantined. Yeah. <laughs> like your options are don't do anything or do something new. And, you know, I'm always gonna lean into doing something new, whatever that looks like, whether we're in quarantine or not, I'm always gonna try to, and I think my whole team is, uh, well, I know they are, they're on board with the whole concept of, um, you know, get on a trajectory and go with it. You know, you're going to fail. We're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. Some of the productions that we did were great. Some of them were okay. Some of them were, yeah, you know, 
at least we're creating art, you know? Um, but there were always little gems in each one of them, which is really cool. Every one of them had standout performances by local actors where you could look back at that and say, wow, that person really created something beautiful there. So it's been an interesting, uh, an interesting new mindset then. And a lot of it's carried over into what we're doing moving forward. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that moving forward. Cause like now, you know, knock on wood, we are, I guess we're back, you know, <laughs> like COVID's still there, but you know, hopefully we all get vaccinated soon and stuff like that. Um, where do you see like the melding of this online streaming platform and then like with theater in there, like now that people can go to, like, meet in person? Yeah, um, I will say as soon as uh, Inslee announced that Washington was going to reopen completely, um, we got some emails from patrons saying, hey, when are you going to have live performances again? Oh. <laughs> and we will always err on the side of safety for our community, first of all. So um, we didn't jump the gun with any kind of um, reopening schedule or plans, really. Um, an interesting thing happened during COVID. The American Association of Community Theaters um, scrapped their whole um, state, regional, and national competitions where community theaters would go and present a show uh, to compete against other um, other community theaters across the country. And rather than hold state um, competitions, they had it all done virtually. So we would send in a 30 minute clip of a show that we wanted to take. And we made it into the first round of that. And then instead of regionals, because they kept having to cancel things as they got closer, of course, um, when we got to regionals, they, um, they scaled it down to 38 community theaters and we made that cut, which was really cool that we just got 38 in the top 38 in the nation. What play and, did you uh, Lonely Planet. So it was the last play that we had staged on our actual physical stage. And we wanted to take that show to state and regionals nationals. So as the word came in that things were gonna be virtual, we're like, oh, we're gonna jump on this and see what happens. Um, we eventually made it into the top 12 in the nation, the top nice. 12 productions. Yeah, so that was really cool. And what happened was rather than us going to, um, not Nashville, Louisville, Kentucky was where they were gonna be held. Instead of that, they sent a Broadway film crew out to each of the 12 um, theaters who were competing and they came in and set up this huge uh, system of cameras and cords and everything. I mean, the whole lobby of, you've been in stage left, the little, the little lobby was filled with technological gadgets and controls and consoles and everything. And there were uh, four guys in the theater filming us with uh, black magic cameras. And that was such a cool experience, just being around this vibe of um, people who had filmed Broadway shows. Um, and they were really impressed with us and we loved them. And, you know, we started formulating this idea with that particular comp that filming company of what does the future of theater look like? And that leads me to finally, <laughs> short story long, to the answer of, to your question. Um, you know, I don't think that virtual streaming of theater is going to go away ever. I, I think that um, one thing that happened during COVID is people got to see Hamilton and people got to see Broadway on demand explode in a way that they now can go and watch, um, you know, Broadway shows 
from the comfort of their home. And while it is not the same experience, nor am I trying to think or even consider that it is the same experience, it does bring theater to a different audience than it ever had before. Um, people who maybe can't leave their homes to go to a theater live, especially during a pandemic or the close of a pandemic, but more so people that are, uh, younger people are so um, tech savvy and it's so ingrained in them, this notion that I wanna see this, I don't have an entire evening to go out. I don't want to go a half an hour early to, to get my seats and spend money on popcorn or wine or whatever, you know, whatever that theater offers. But I will sit there and watch 20 minutes of Hamilton and then come back to it later at night when I'm in bed and watch the rest of it. That's a whole different, unique experience that theater didn't have real, real access to prior to prior to COVID. You know, there were little bits of bits of things that you could see online, but to this scale, it's it's really just exploded. So I don't think it's going away. And how that affects a theater like us is rather than do a four week run of a show, four weekends, you know, 12, 13 performances um, live, we're scaling back to a three week performance schedule and then an open uh, streaming of that same show. So we actually have to fit into our tech week a filming day where we actually film the production well and with no mistakes. <laughs> and, and then uh, we have different rights involved in that because it's not the same rights that you get to perform live that you get to stream. But then that fourth week will be a weekend where people can watch a show that they either missed like, oh my God, I can't believe I missed that show. How many times do theater patrons and theater goers say that? Like, I heard such good things about it and I just couldn't get away, right? Mm -hmm. So this way, that fourth weekend, they can buy their ticket and watch it anytime during that weekend, which from the comfort of their home, which is kind of cool. They still get to have that experience of seeing the story untold, uh, unfold and seeing the actors who might be their friends or family um, participate in their art form. So we're kind of uh, moving towards being a hybrid theater is what we're calling it and what 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 nationally they're calling it now. And there's just articles and, um, and interviews out there all over the place about how um, streamed theater is just going to be a fact of life moving forward. So um, like you said at the beginning, Stage Left kind of gets to be on the precipice of all these new and exciting ideas. We're small enough that um, if we fail, it hasn't been a disaster. We just learn from it and move forward, you know, um, whereas bigger, bigger um, theater houses, um, if you try something new and fail, you might have a financial deficit that's outweighs the benefit of trying something new. So we've kind of been positioned in a really perfect spot of getting to try diversity, um, getting to engage with what plays about justice looks like, getting engaged with bringing on uh, members of our board from minority communities so their voices are heard. And then we take all that, right, which is new and exciting. And we now um, enter a new technological stage of what what the next level of theater looks like. So I, I just feel so energized about uh, what the possibilities are. And I know we're gonna fail. I know, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not blind to the fact, everything that got me here today talking on this podcast was you with you is a series of failures in my life, right? And successes, but, but I recognize that those, um, those failures often do more to our, um, to our betterment than even our successes do. They kind of define, you know, who we are as a as a person, as a species, as an organization. 
um, how do we roll with those punches and, and make something new? So I'm excited. It's, it's yeah. going to be weird and it's going to be different. It might not work, but we're going to try it. <laughs> yeah. When, um, when we had Yusuf El Gundi, uh, playwright for back of the throat and oh, yeah. wonderful human being, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, and my mentor, <laughs> not to brag about Yusuf, but I love him so much. Um, he talked to me about like, you know, like, where do you see like uh, theater, like after the pandemic, like when that happens and then it's like what you t- just talked about, right? Like the hybrid theater of yep. like, uh, I think theater in order for it to survive, like, and you know, like I ne- I didn't necessarily like doing Zoom plays or seeing them, but I understand that there is a community out there. There are people out there who do enjoy it, who um, who need it. Because like, even someone like me who, who spends lavishly and can probably uh, <laughs> easily afford like a Broadway ticket and then just go broke one day and like totally- Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like most people, they can't do that, you know? Like, yeah, I just, I think that's where a lot of my conflict with theater was. Cause like, that's like the mainstream theater. like. Dear Evan Hansen, a play about suicide and mental health like awareness. I feel like it's being backed behind a paywall of like hundreds of hundreds of dollars for me to go see that show. And I can only see it in New York City, <laughs> like right. uh, unless you go catch a tour of it or something. So it was like, that was like one of the things that like made me feel conflicted about theater because I'm all about okay. accessibility. So um, theaters in the future, I feel like are going to have to like adapt to the, both of these things because there's going to be that side that has experienced it in the pandemic and they're going to be like well where is it you know absolutely yeah and they're going to want that money you know (laughs) yeah and you know speaking to that uh whole paywall kind of thing that you're talking about i read a a quote from our local naacp page um recently that said we don't need more gatekeepers what we need is more key makers and i just thought that was so profound like we need people who are key makers who are opening all these gates and letting the floods just come into whatever the arts look like i'm i'm applying it to the arts it could be applied to anything in life but um the idea of let's make more keys instead of let's have more people stand at the gate is Mm -hmm. crucial to where we go as a society especially in the arts i think yeah tell me about stage left because i don't think we uh We've only mentioned it uh, on the show, I think, like once, and it, it was during Yusuf's episode, and we did acknowledge that the, the, there was a different time. There was the the BJ's before. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I was gonna say like the BJ before Jeremy, but then the Enduendo <laughs> like kicked in. But like you know, um, that that was kind of like the only time we talked about it. But like truly, I but I mentioned you on the show and being like Jeremy is like leading this change in stage left and in Spokane for theater. So what is stage left theater? Like when you have to like pitch it to people, like what is it? And you said like how small it is. Like I know how small it is. Maybe like a lot of people who watch the show do, but then there's the other people outside of this. So sure, like, sure. Um, tell, tell us about like, what is stage left? All right. So a brief rundown of Stage Left. Back in 2011, um, Robert Nelson, who uh, until last month, until actually two weeks ago, was the board president, the founder, and is our landlord in the building, um, was getting together with a group of friends of his, mostly seniors who would do readers theater. And they were going to perform um, Sister Ignatius at a church and the church deacons heard about it and heard about some of the content. They said, you can't do that play here. And, you know, Robert's scrappy and he's subversive and he's forward thinking. And he said, I'm going to build my own theater. So he bought this retail space down on third Avenue 
and gutted it and spent a quarter of a million dollars turning it into a black box theater. Um, it did have 70 seats and um, I'm actually in the process of remodeling it. So it's only gonna have 61 seats now, but they're gonna be more comfortable. Um, so it's a small little intimate venue. You walk in and there's a lobby and a bar and restrooms and um, which are now unisex, by the way, the restrooms are all unisex in the building. Nice. Um, and it's um, always been a place where uh, stories that lean political or religious or feminist or LGBTQ have been um, promoted. Um, but like you said, you know, they, we fail. Artists fail sometimes. And I think even the best intentions um, can pave that road to hell sometimes, <laughs> right? And, and leave a bad taste in people's mouths. So I think the trial and error process um, happened at stage left for a few years where they wanted to live up to the mission of bringing diversity to their stage or bringing uh, more so than diversity even, um, a diversity of thought, right? Um, political dissent, um, what feminism looks like, uh, things like that. And there were successes and there were failures. And um, I don't think that anyone um, who remained on the board or on the staff of Stage Left uh, was blind to the fact that they failed in the past. And so when I took over, I was emphatic that if our mission is going to be about justice and equity and, and diversity and inclusion, I call that a Jedi theater, J-E-D-I. <laughs> if we're gonna be a Jedi theater, um, then we really have to live up to that. And what does that look like? You know, um, When I stepped into the place, the entire staff and board were all straight white people. And that's not discounting that straight white people have something to bring to the table, but that table has been around for a long time, right? Let's get some different voices at the table. So my first uh, goal was to really change the dynamic of what theater leadership looked like here in Spokane by bringing on people of color and by bringing on trans people to our board and, and then start building seasons around that. Um, so now um, we are moving to a place where we not only talk about divisive, diversive um, subject matter, but we want to bring the people who have actually lived those experiences um, to the forefront. So we're transitioning, um, some people know this and some people don't, I know, no, I know you do, but we're transitioning into becoming a New Works Theater. So what that means for us moving forward is that next season, we'll do four plays that people may or may not recognize, and then we'll do two plays that are completely new works by new playwrights. Uh, or established players, but but new works um, that bring stories and voices in an interesting and new way. Um, and there was some hesitation, I think, from some of my board members about what that looks like, whether people in the arts community in Spokane are ready to accept going to a show that they've never heard of. And I said, in my defense, look at the past seasons you've promoted. A lot of these shows, nobody's heard of. <laughs> so why not give the opportunity to new playwrights to, to show their work? So um, that's kind of a nutshell of what Stage Left is. If, I hope that kind of encapsulated what, what you know to be true about Stage Left. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I do agree that um, everything that you're saying about Stage Left is like, you know, spot on. 
I think, yeah, before there was a lot of fumbles. Uh, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> I was a part of those uh, fumbles, but uh, I was glad to like get to know you. And even like, even before that, um, Wes, Wesley, I, I forget his last name. What was the trick? Yeah, that was the trick. Um, he was also talking about doing something similar as well before you came and took his place. And um, I just liked what you guys were doing. And I was like, I was seeing it, you know, it was like what I mentioned before. It was like, you know, theaters, and I'm not like specifically throwing shade at any of our theaters, local theaters here. It's just like everywhere. You see that you're like, yes, we are going to include diversity and blah, blah, blah. We're going to do racial training. And you just like, you don't see it was like all right those are just nice words nice pr but like are you like actually putting in the work and uh to, to not only like hear you say it but like just to actually like see that work like shine through and your willingness to like listen to criticisms like you know like some of my like thoughts about specific shows like back of the throat for, for example it was like i i felt like i was definitely being heard like Good. in a time like when i did raise those criticisms like it was i wasn't being heard and I was very upset. That's that's why I met Yusuf. Exactly. Which that's what the only good thing that came out of it is like Yusuf is uh, he's a he's just so good. Like his accent, I really love his accent. Like, ha- have you watched that video of his? Like with him in it? No, I haven't seen that episode. No. He has a very beautiful like British accent, and it's awesome. just like you should like make audiobooks or something. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I definitely see that. Uh, before we get into you, and I guess like this is like, yeah, this is you that I'm very curious about because, you know, we could talk about stage left all the time, but this is the Jeremy show. Um, <laughs> to, you know, I, you've seen it. Like I've been kind of going through this process as like an artist of like who I am. You know, I created this show out of a necessity to like connect with people, but I'm also finding joy in this as like an artistic project of like getting to know people and connect and learning all this like mechanical stuff like film, you know, like I've never sure. looked on film before. These, these curls are sponsored by uh, Lush, Lush Cosmetics, you know? Um, <laughs> you know, you talk about all this success with Stage Left. I'm curious and like, you know, like you got all the awards and everything and Stage Left seems like they were going on a good trajectory. I'm interested to learn about you. How have you changed this last year? as an artist, as like a person, um, wow. was there like any big revelation? Like, I'm sure there was some big revelations that you had about yourself and maybe even about theater. Yeah, that's a good and deep question. Um, what really happened for me, um, you know, I changed careers into theater back in 2014. Um, I was managing restaurants most of my life. Um, I'm 12. 12- one and a half years clean and sober. Um, I went back to college when I got sober and got degrees in graphic design, uh, which I've always excelled at. I've always been a comic book illustrator and very good with uh, spatial uh, visuals. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, I'm getting up there in age, might as well go back. My one regret in life had been uh, that I dropped out of college at Ohio University, my middle of my junior year on a full ride scholarship to theater mm. um, and became a drug addict. Um, and that, that was my life for a couple decades. So when I, when my life changed by removing, you know, uh, all these substances from my mind and my body and my spirit, honestly, um, it allowed me to open up as an artist again. And I think a lot of artists, 
this is my personal experience and from what I've what I've talked with other artists who uh, enter recovery a lot of us think I'm never going to be be able to be creative unless I have x y or z whatever that whatever that drug or drink or whatever that is for you what it was for me you know if I couldn't smoke weed and, and do cocaine then how was I ever going to create artwork was my mindset of course, that's not true. I mean, in in fact, what I've found and what I think most artists um, who get clean and sober find is that those things were actually dampening down a lot of parts of your artistic spirit that really, really excel once you start um, having that clarity of thought and clarity of spirit. So my theater career took off in 2014. I started uh, designing some sets uh, for Lake City Playhouse for the Modern Theater, a couple high schools. Um, I taught classes in graphic design as a guest lecturer at high schools here in town. So, um, I, and I started living my life as an artist. You know, I went from $50,000 a year to $18,000 a year overnight, literally. And um, that helped formulate my notion that uh, money and, and really at its core capitalism is not something that I am interested in. Um, <laughs> and that was a big awakening because, you know, we're taught all of our lives to be successful. It has to look like this, whatever this is in your mind or, or your parents' mind or your society's mind. Um, so I started living pretty meagerly, um, frugally, if you will. And I had the opportunity opportunity eventually to move down to Texas and and be the resident designer for a large equity house down there. And that was amazing. Um, you know, 13 productions a year, I was designing and building and painting. Um, so it was a lot of work. Um, but it really kind of jump started my notion that I'm going to be a theater person from now on like this is this is it there's no going back to restaurant management management for Jeremy <laughs> you know even if that looks like I don't have a job at a certain time right um when I stopped stepped off the plane uh moving back here from Texas I came back here mainly because um my nephew who I had adopted and now is married um was having a kid and they had lost a child the year before and I really wanted to be here for him and her through that um as kind of a safety net. Um, we're really tight, the three of us. And uh, now I have a grandbaby that's a year and a half old, which is kind of cool. Nice. Um, but when COVID hit, well, let me go back just a little bit. I stepped off the plane and my friend Troy Nickerson called me and said, hey, I'm directing Three Penny Opera. I need you to come on audition. And I was like, oh, okay. So I really stepped off the plane and right back into the theater world up here in Spokane, which was a great blessing for me. Um, you know, Wes was getting ready to retire um, to spend time with his wife and kids. And Wes has been a good friend of mine for years. I've worked with Wes on, on stage here and in Texas, actually. I worked with Wes. Um, so uh, Wes knew me well. And Wes had a trajectory that he had put stage left on as well, like you said. And he came to me and he said, I really think you should apply for my job. <laughs> so that was interesting, you know, and, and uh, in January last year, I took over that position, but again, it closed down in March. So what, what that shutdown did for me, and then, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement happened in June uh, more strongly than it ever had really with George Floyd's death. Um, it solidified that change was on the horizon, not just for me, but for our entire nation, right? Really the world. Um, and specifically Spokane, that things were about to change. Our mindsets were about to change. Our, the, way we, um, the way we perceive things was about to change. So when you ask, 
how did the shutdown affect me personally and artistically? I guess it just really um, allowed me to take a breath and say, what is my role to be? Like, what, how am I to facilitate art um, in my current surroundings? And right now it's Spokane and stage left. Um, it solidified for me the need to um, not just say what you feel about um, all of these, you know, disparate and yet connected um, ideologies, um, feminism, LGBTQ rights, uh, Black Lives Matter, all of these things, um, not just to talk about what we feel about them, but to actually do something and to engage in our community with that. So, um, yeah, I don't want to call myself an activist. I don't feel that that's what I am, although I strive to be. Um, I guess what I want to be is an impetus for um, for others to feel heard, like you said. I mean, that's the most important thing, right? If, if I'm not willing to listen to um, critique or criticism, um, then I'm never going to grow as a human being. I know that to be true. I know that to be true. Um, and it's become very clear that there are subsets of our culture that don't want to listen to critique and criticism and want to maintain as hard as they can the status quo. And the status quo just doesn't work anymore. It just doesn't work anymore. It's never going to work. It's never going to go back to whatever uh, people think of as bliss. So let's, let's start defining how can we lift each other up, right? How can we, what are the actions that I can take today? Just today, all I have to think about is today. If I, if I worry to, this the one thing that recovery taught me is that I only have 24 hours. I have just today. So if I can think of what I can do just today to uh, better my fellow man um, or to make things a little easier for another artist, then that's what I do that day. And the results are up to the universe, right? God, as I like to call the universe, um, the great artist is my, my name for my higher power. Um, yeah. So I think it, the quarantine calmed me a bit in my spirit and allowed me to just, you know, breathe and then lean into what the next right thing was. Yeah. That's really interesting because like, I feel like for me, it was the opposite where it was like, I like I've, I, I've been in self-reflection mode for like 14 months, <laughs> just trying right. to think about every single thing, not just the last five years in college, but like also my childhood. And now like in therapy, I'm just realizing like, gosh, there was like, even though I was seeing a counselor at Gonzaga at the time, there is still a lot of stuff that is unresolved here. And I blame Bo Burnham too and that stupid special of his we talked about it on sydney's episode i think i was that was like the most harsh i've ever been about how i felt about things like like my harshest like i always tend to like have a positive and you know like out, positive outlook on the society and like you know how, how can i help others but i feel like in that moment i was like really talking about like how truly like how i felt like is it really my responsibility to do that you know like why like i think bill burnham like mentioned all that in his special too it's like um healing the world with comedy making uh making a literal difference metaphorically and i feel like that's that's the stuff that i participated in maybe not necessarily you i felt like that was what i was achieving and i hated that and i think that's what that's why i'm trying to separate myself from theater so i can figure out like who am i 
as a like an artist once again uh the podcast has helped because like it is about connection and it's about connecting with other people and getting to know them almost like getting to know my fellow my fellow man or fellow person <laughs> a little bit more um so that's what i enjoyed about doing it and that's what i enjoyed about doing theater like i did plays about connection and this is filling that gap for now but also i I spent five years of my life with this theater degree that I, I'm not sure how I'm using it, you know, like to the extent that I would like, you know, therapies helps. Like <laughs> we're, 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 we're getting it all sorted out, but like, that's kind of, I've had a, like a cosmic shift in like my reality and my um, artistic voice that I think I need help with. That's something I'm not like, able, I'm not handling still very well, even though I am in therapy trying to, get that sorted but uh it's interesting to hear that it was a moment of calm for you um and a moment of reflection and I think like like I said before like it's very evident that like it's crystal clear that where you're going to take stage life in that direction I truly believe you will honestly yeah I, I have no doubt that 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 the trajectory that we're on now is going to be successful I really and it's not due to oh, yeah. me believe me it's not it's due to the necessity of it happening right I, I might be a conduit for one small part of it for a couple of years in this position, but the real, the reality of it is I think that the universe provides what's needed um, to each of us daily. And what's needed right now in Spokane is a theater like stage left. It really is. And um, so it will be successful whether I'm there or not, whether you're around or not, um, whether it's in that building or not, like it, it, it will be a success because it needs to be a success. Um, as long as we have, as long as we include, I think the teammates and the, and the peripheral teammates, like we're sitting here talking about stage left, you're a teammate of mine. Right. Mm -hmm. So as, as long as we have those people and, um, policies, if you will, in place that, 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 um, nurture that trajectory, then it can't fail because it needs to succeed. That's just always, um, I tend to be an extreme optimist, um, it's kind of annoying, I think. And, um, but then, you know, I see people like you who I've watched your journey this last year, these last 14 months, I've watched what you've gone through. And, and I think an important thing that you bring up is therapy. You know, I don't have therapy. I have a, I have a recovery groups that I meet with and sponsees and sponsors and things like that. But the notion of, um, I have to deal with this on my own is, is so it's, devastating it kept me you know in active use for a long time so just being able to talk to someone about all of these feelings and thoughts and and past experiences that have made us who we are and shaped us um to help kind of like you said sort that out i need to sort out you know who am i and and i don't think that that's a destination that people could ever come to it isn't for me anyway it's a constant journey of figuring out who i am right it's yeah. I would have not pictured myself even uh, in a leadership role at a theater if you would have asked me even three years ago at all. I, I was very, I don't want to say demure, but I was um, a little subservient in terms of how I felt about myself and my artwork. I, I knew I produced quality stuff, but I always thought it was because somebody else told me what to do or how to do it. I didn't, I didn't embrace um, the artists within me, you know, that, that, uh, like I have now, I guess that's a, been a big change for me in the last, you know, yeah. pandemic years. Yeah. 
I'm excited to talk more about you, Jeremy, but we've been talking about stage left for too long now because this is Wayward Artists in the Wayward World, where each and every Sunday I sit with a Wayward Artist and we talk about a person they're thankful for. It's uh, based on a podcast, Pockets Full of Soup by Jared Petty, which by the way, Jeremy, not to put you on the spot, but did you listen to that episode that I sent you <laughs> of his specifically? No, I don't think uh, I got something from you. Oh, it was like, it was like, yeah. it was like months ago. Like you oh, probably you don't remember, but um oh. Jared Petty is an amazing person. We're going to talk to him real soon again and get him on the show. I'll be on his show. Um, he had a person on his show, Jackie Jing. She's a host. like a free. She calls herself a freelance host and a content creator. And mm. she actually did talk about, she talks about her brother a lot, who uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, well, he was going through substance abuse. Uh, but I think he just, like, according to her story, um, he just had a bad cocktail. Like he wasn't even trying, like he was really trying to like absolutely get better. And he just had, you know, I think he was took some alcohol with like the wrong kind of pills and yep. he passed away, but it was a powerful episode. I hope you do listen to it in a comfortable well, yeah. and a, a safe environment. <laughs> okay. uh, but Jeremy, I want to ask you the question I ask guests each and every week on this show. Um, tell me something you're thankful for. And before you start, you mentioned in the pre-show, um, something very interesting about this. Like you want to give us like some backstory about like, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so when I got sober, um, one of the things that I was instructed to do when I woke up was to list three to five things that I'm grateful for as soon as I get up in the morning. Um, and to make that a daily part of my life. And like any good alcoholic and addict, um, I did it for brief periods of time and then fell into not doing it. And, um, but in the last year and a half during COVID really, um, I really wanted to start embracing this notion that the universe has provided me with everything I need. And as soon as I wake up, I can be thankful for certain things. So sometimes those things were whatever happened yesterday. You know, I got to spend an awesome evening on the lake with my boyfriend, or um, I got to talk with my dad on the phone. Um, and sometimes they were more um, grounded in what was immediate. Like I am thankful that I have a freaking roof over my head and a bed to sleep in. Um, and, or I'm thankful for being able to create art or I'm thankful that I get to come on a podcast. That's going to be on my tomorrow's morning list. You know what I mean? Um, so I started ascending a list of five things I'm grateful for every morning to not just fellows in recovery, but also, uh, people that I've worked with in my past or people that I've connected with, um, outside of work or recovery and just people that I know that are filled with gratitude or who need to be filled with gratitude, right? Who need to understand what that can do for someone. And it's life-changing. It really is like to get up in the morning, I connect with my higher power. I open my window, my blinds. Um, I just look out into the sky and I'm like, yeah, use me for whatever I'm supposed to be used for today. And then I list these five things that I'm grateful for. And um, the the support that comes back when you do that from other people and you get to hear what they're grateful for. And it's such, you get to know people a little bit more, like what do they consider something that they should be grateful for? So um, that connectivity on a level of gratitude has been immensely life-changing for me. It just, it starts my day on a positive note. It lets me recognize, I don't wake up in the mornings now like I used to and say, oh, oh I've got to go to work today. And gosh, darn it. Like, I don't have the help. I need to move all these new seats into the auditorium, whatever that, that this was recently, like what I would probably be thinking recently, 
But instead that becomes, oh my God, I'm so excited that I'm employed. You know, that's the first thing. Uh, I'm so excited that I have a blank slate to create on today. Um, whatever those, what I, I can read you what my last one was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me before you do, um, tell me yeah. about the, the group. So like, what's the context for the group that you have? Like this group of people that you talk to, like, who are they? They're, they're anyone uh, from people that I met in, uh, in AA rooms to past uh, coworkers to a couple family members. Um, and and it's, it's just random, you know? I, like, it was put on my heart just one day. <laughs> I know that sounds so religious and I, I'm not at all religious, um, but it was put on my heart one day. My spirit felt, oh, I need to include this person in my gratitude list. It was just a random thought. And I don't know why I thought that. And I just sent them my gratitude list and I followed it up with saying, hey, I know that was weird, uh, but I send out these lists of five things I'm grateful for every morning and it uh, it touched on me to include you in that. And they were like, this is exactly what I needed today. And I'm not I'm not taking uh, credit for that. I, I believe that, that I believe that the universe works in a certain way that aligns things in a way that if we're open to it, to being the conduit of, of, you know, it's this path of least resistance thing, right, in Buddhism, that if I'm, if I'm open to being a channel of peace and love and harmony, that um, I, 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 I hear, <laughs> I hear voices is what I was going to say. But no, I, you know, I hear what, what it feels like that compulsion is to say to the next person or to connect with the next person, even connecting with you, Sid, was a, an area of that compulsion. You know, when I read what you were going through with past experiences, I was like, this is somebody that I can connect to and that I can share some of my experiences with and help forge a different kind of path. So that doesn't have to happen to anyone else. Right. Mm -hmm. So today I'm grateful for finished all of one of my weekly to do's. Usually I finish about half of them and I make long lists. So getting half of them done was great. Um, two, being able to show up for others and actually wanting to. Three, a uh, board meeting tonight that will propel our theater forward. Four, movie, light, movie night last night with my boyfriend in an actual cinema, Black Widow. Alex and I loved it. Five, uh, finding balance in multiple areas of life. So, I mean, they could just be random things. You know, sometimes they're very specific things and sometimes they all end up with coffee. <laughs> my number five is often coffee. Um, but I think that you know, this law of karma in the universe or this theory of karma, I think of it as a law, but whatever I put out there is going to come back to me, right? If I am genuine, then I will get uh, genuineness back to me. If I'm generous, I'll get generosity back. If I'm grateful, I'll get gratitude back. And so if I can start um, my day with positivity in whatever the way that looks like for me or for you or for any of us, if we can start our days that way, the reflection that the universe provides during that day for me is it's noticeable. It's palpable. It's true. Like I can't be convinced otherwise. I can't be convinced that um, my problems are because of circumstance. I can't be convinced of that. I'm convinced that um, my problems are my own making on how I view the circumstance and how do I move through that that um, that mindset, those those glasses that I'm using to view the situation, that's what for me has been life changing. Is is 
discounting all circumstance that happen in life. I've been through some crazy stuff, man, some really stupid stuff. And at the root of it, you know, most of the times I put myself in a position to be hurt or I surrounded myself with people who were negative or whatever the, whatever the thing is, right. That we go through that seems so daunting for us to move through. Um, if I can just concentrate on, okay, what am I doing? What am I doing in the positive realm of the universe today? And if I just concentrate on that and get everything else out of my mind, I, I can't worry about finances, man. I make hardly any money, honestly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so finances is always like, oh, how am I going to pay this bill? If I can get rid of that thought and um, supplant it with, I am so grateful that I have an income. If, if, if it's as simple as that, then somehow everything works out. I'm, I'm not sure what that dynamic of the, of the spiritual realm is for me, um, but when I, when I put positive out, I get positive back. So I find that um, if I start my day with gratitude, everything else is icing, man. Yeah. You know, like when you mentioned that, like I can't help but think of this show, you know, um, the yeah. whole concept of the show is about something or someone that you're thankful for. And, you know, most of the guests sometimes are like, oh man, you know, like my mom, dad, like, of course I'm like grateful for them. It's like, but like, yeah, of course you are. Like, uh, obviously I would, ex I hope you are, <laughs> but you know, there's other things in life, especially like during the pandemic and everything, when everything feels so bleak. I mean, even now with this, you know, Delta variant out there, it's scary. Like we could go back to another lockdown and sure. like, I was planning like a Disneyland trip and I'm like, do I really want to spend all this money? And then all of a sudden California is going to shut down again, or is right. the, the nation's going to shut down again. And it's like, this is maybe like do it low scale or whatever. But at the end of the day, when I created the show, I, there was a sense of connection that I was missing. And I wanted what pockets full of soup did for me. And I'll probably talk about it on Jared's show because spoiler alert, that's what we're going to talk about is his show. What that show did to me was, there were like people that I follow, people that I listen to. Uh, he, he, he worked at IGN before, which is Imagine Gaming Network, uh, mm -hmm. biggest video mm -hmm. game. Yeah, you know, probably the yep. audience out there doesn't. <laughs> uh, he was an editor there. So he knows like, you know, he knows your Greg Millers. He knows your uh, uh, Nick Scarpino's, um, Jonathan Dornbush's, like all those IGN people. He brings them on the show. They don't really talk about video games. Like they talk about things that have like pushed them like push them in like the trajectory that they're in right now, you know? Um, and that was inspiring to hear. Cause it like, it's like a lot of it, you know, a lot of it, there were happy stories, like um, good stories, good feeling stories, but then there's like the, the hurt and like how they overcame that to be the person that who they were right now. Oh, and yeah. so on this show, we've had a lot of guests like that. You know, I always point to uh, Keely Anderson and how I first met her you know, this person that I didn't know who she was and she was, you know, in a funk, you know, like she was, she, she'll be honest and tell you, you know, she was drinking at the time and she was worried about her ex who was gaslighting her. And it was like, she would confine that into me. And she talked about it on the show and it was very cool to see how she changed and like how great and how she was grateful for her boyfriend to pull her out of that. And she's a whole different person now. 
And, you know, we also have like Jordan Heidel, um, who talked about her mental illness and stuff like that. And, you know, how her dog was like the reason why, you know, like the reason why her trajectory is in such a good place right now. And so hearing about those texts that you send out every day, like your gratitudes, and then saying like, oh, yeah, you know, this is what exactly what I needed. It's like, that's, I feel like that's what a lot of people need, especially like as somebody personally who sometimes feels like the cameo character in like the TV show, you know, like yeah. he'll be he'll be in the episode and he's like the guest star and everybody loves him, like the Fonz or whatever. I don't know, like what's a good reference, but um, <laughs> and but you won't see him ever again. And you kind of forget about him. And like, that's that's me. Like, yeah, I acknowledge that there are people who like who love me. And when I come into the space, like they enjoy who I am. But once I leave that space, I feel like, uh, Sid who, you know, like who, who's the Sid guy, you know? And so, yeah, I, I'm very curious. Um, do you, uh, do you have any stories about like those texts, like maybe changing someone's perspective, like, or maybe brightening their days or how, how they, or, Oh, you do. Yeah. Go ahead then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I work with a lot of uh, people in recovery, addicts and alcoholics who are uh, striving for a different life. And um, there's been two times that I can think of in the last couple of years where um, a, a gratitude text was sent out um, once for me. And once uh, was, I was on the receiving end of somebody else's that was also sent to this person um, that stopped that person from one time it stopped that person from, uh, moving to try to solve their problems with moving to California, uh, and deciding to stick around here and figure out what those solutions were. And another time was literally that stopped somebody from using drugs that day. Um, and you know, the, the ripple effect of one kindness, I think is very much overlooked when I hear, when I get a text from somebody that, um, of what they're grateful for, and it tells me a little bit more about that person, um, and it, and, or it tells me about my outlook on life, right? Um, when somebody's grateful for something that I take for granted, that's the biggest life changer for me. And I get to step back and say, oh my gosh, like, I didn't even consider the fact that I get to sleep on a bed tonight. You know, um, I didn't consider the fact that I can afford to buy coffee. These are things that, you know, a lot of people, uh, especially in active addiction and alcoholism, um, don't have access to. So I like to think that every positive thing that we say changes somebody's life. Um, I, I, maybe not in a big way, you know, maybe not in a, a category five, you know, life change way, but but in a way that maybe lets them see things from a different perspective. And for me, man, my perspective can be screwed up. <laughs> it really can. And for years, I used drugs and alcohol to soothe that or to make that feel okay, because I perceive the world in a certain way. And then I took away the drugs and alcohol and I was left with faulty perception. Um, so it's been a journey trying to build what real perception looks like. And I, I, wa- I want my 
perception to start with with gratitude. So when you said, let's talk about gratitude, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's talk about gratitude. Because it is the one thing for me that has consistently kept my brain even keeled and level and, and, and honest, right? Um, yeah, I, I can't say enough about the concept of finding things that we're grateful for regularly, um, whether it's a text to someone or not. It just, if we can change one perspective that's wrong in our heads a day, um, it sets a whole different course. You know, I, did you watch Loki on? <laughs> I did, yeah. On Disney Plus, right? Yeah. These urgent realities, right? Um, I I love the idea of string theory and, and multi-dimensional universe and and uh, infinite Earths and things like that. I love that concept. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I love it anyway. Um, that's the sci-fi in me, I think. But what I the way I look at it too, though, is say we're on the sacred timeline, which I don't believe there is a sacred timeline, and. Uh, this day, I'm going to feel shitty about this. And I'm just going to feel shitty about this one thing that changes who I am for the rest of eternity. Really, it really changes who I am. But if I can start to train myself to um, think on the positive side and, and see the good in whatever's happening, that also changes my perspective and my reality for the rest of time. It, it alters who I am. You know, there's scientific study that gratitude the, the concept of embracing gratitude changes the chemical makeup and the way your electrons and neurons fire in your head. I believe that to be true. It's been true for me. Like I used to be, I was, I was manic depressive. I was on uh, psych meds for years. Um, and it turns out that um, I shouldn't probably you know, be doing meth while I'm on lithium <laughs> or I shouldn't be consuming gallons of alcohol, you know, <laughs> while I'm trying to sort out my psyche. Um, those things weren't conducive for me. Some people can drink and drug uh, recreationally. And I found that I, I wasn't one of those people. And so um, I want, and I continue to want to be the best version of me I can, not for myself, but thinking of others, right? Thinking of how I can be of service to other people because it all comes back. It all comes back to us. Whatever we put out there is going to come back to us. And I think that this podcast is a good example of that. I think that the way you are connecting people and the way you do it humbly and the way you give gratitude to the people who came before you and who sparked this inspiration for you to do this is going to sit it's going to yield things that you can't even imagine i promise you that and i don't use the word promise very often but i promise you that the way you're doing this and the way you're um connecting people especially with gratitude is going to pay dividends for people in ways that you cannot even fathom right now yeah. it's true yeah i well thank you for that uh, i'm i'm grateful for that statement <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, it was, oh God, I don't know how to really like respond to that last part because, you know, it, it it really is. It comes down to Jared Petty. And I'm very, it is kind of surreal. Like, because he, he's not like a celebrity, you know. He was hard to reach, <laughs> sure. if anything. Like, we tried. We tried all the avenues and everything to kind of reach him. Sorry, Jared, if you're listening. <laughs> but um, he, it, it really, like, changed my life. Like, I listened to that show at school like during like hard moments in my life and 
it was that moment where I was kind of like going, what I'm going through right now, trying to figure out who I am as an artist again, like before, like, like version one of that. And, you know, with exams and tests and stuff like that. And like hearing these stories about people being grateful or, you know, just hearing Jared Petty talk, like he is such a smart person. Mm -hmm. Like he, not just in video games, but like with philosophy, he, he was a reverend. Well, he is a reverend, but he, um, like, I don't think he practices like, that anymore but you know he's very spiritual and you can really tell like when he talks about with guests and stuff on that show like how spiritual he is with these people with his with his friends like these are all his friends that are on the show and I wanted to replicate that you know I I wanted to replicate it for a long time (laughs) but I feel like I had to get permission from Jared you know not that he he would have said like no you can't do something like something (laughs) like that like why <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, totally. he's, he's not like a narcissist in that way yeah. would probably say <laughs> but um you know I I didn't want to like be like assumed like oh I was just like copying an idea but then he kind of went on a hiatus with the show and then the pandemic happened I was like oh like I can fill in this void you know Absolutely. that and um it started off with three episodes and not really sure what we were going to be doing like it was just me and three other people just talking and me feeling obligated to publish these episodes that we recorded. And I was like, wait a minute, there's something here. This is like actually fun. Um, Dude, you got the silver medal for best podcast in our region. That, Shut I up. That's what I, I was going to like stop. I, I was not going to mention that because like I didn't mention it in the rigmarole. You know, like I didn't, I forgot, I totally forgot <laughs> that we are the best, po- the second best podcast in the, in the Inland Northwest, which is pretty big. It's a lot of really big, dude. (laughs) Yeah. So like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of Washington state. So, um, and you know, it, it wasn't me who, um, like got us there. It was like the people, like the people who, like, uh, like the people who voted, who wrote, like it was a write-in and a lot of people wrote in to like nominate the show. And I think that's, that's crazy, you know, cause like, sure. I put the shout out and everything because you have to, but, um, but like people like went out and it was so cool to know that like, oh, we got second place. That's, that's super dope. I would describe the show as a second, the second place show, like, which is like totally fine. We'll, 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 we'll get first place. We'll get first place somewhere. Um, we're not yep. there yet. Um, there's a couple of things that I, I want to add to this, like add to all this here. And I, I keep thinking about this show and it makes me very excited. That's uh, great. For the future. And yeah. I don't know where theater fits into all this. Like, I still don't really know. Um, That's okay. Yeah. Not, know, not knowing is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe it doesn't, you know, maybe right. we just don't do theater ever again. I, right. you know, t- going back to Jackie Jing, uh, the, the guest that Jared had on his show, she mentioned that she was a freelance host. And I was like, that could be, I feel like that's a mesh of like the performance and the yeah. show. Like, I think maybe that might be it. I don't know how to do it. I need to like ask Jared <laughs> when I like see him again. But um, like, yeah, there's it's opened up a lot of doors. And I think I don't know where I would be without this show. Like, I'm always grateful. I'm always grateful for Jared Petty. Like, I I literally don't know what would what what I would do without this show. Yeah. Yeah. But um going back to you, because this is your show now. <laughs> this is your episode. Um 
like I, I don't know what like what the proper question is here, but I, I think I'm very curious to know. Have you been affected? How how have you been affected by those text messages? I think we talked about other people being affected by it. Like, have there been like moments or stories where you were like, oh, this this means this is like this is hitting me in a way that I never thought it would. Oh gosh, I mean. Yeah, I don't know that I, I've been doing it for so long now that I don't know that I can speak to specifics, but I can definitely say that there have been, you know, dozens of times in the last couple of years when seeing, well, two things, either seeing what someone is grateful for that I would not have expected from that person or in that realm of what gratitude looks like really affects me. Um, but more so, I'm going to get a little teary-eyed. Go ahead. Um, more so it's like when, when I get a gratitude list from someone who has fallen off the radar and I don't know who, where they are or what circumstances they're in, which happens a lot in recovery. You know, I've buried a lot of friends, including my best friend, um, from this disease and, um, when you get this random, uh, when you get this random text that has five beautiful things from someone that you didn't know was there, whether they were alive or not anymore, um, changes your perspective on things. Um, conversely, when you get the gratitude lists that are um, I'm glad I'm still alive because so-and-so isn't. Um, those are equally as life-changing and really alter my mental landscape for that day. And then moving forward, uh, you know, I talk a lot. <laughs> I know I talk a lot about stage left and I talk a lot about recovery, but those are two really big aspects of my life. And um, I don't know that I'd have one without the other. For me, um, being an artist and being clean and sober um, are so intertwined now for me in ways that I never would have expected or, or, or imagined really early on. Um, but I've been the recipient of a wealth of knowledge and emotions that, that have come before me that have helped me stay on this path. And I think like, like you said about Jared too, like there are mentors in our life, right? We call them sponsors in AA, but there are mentors or, or people that we look up to in our life that we don't know where we'd be without them. And sometimes um, we have to find out what we're going to be like without them. You know, I had a mentor that, that uh, helped change my career path and put me on this path uh, of being an artist for my life. That's what I do. I'm an artist now. Um, and that mentor, uh, cut me off last year, uh, with no warning. And I, I, I don't know of why that was. And it really devastated me for a while. And I was depressed about it. And one of the gals that I send tech, uh, gratitude lists to, um, who's friends with that mentor said, people have to decide what they want in life and who they want around them in life. And if someone chooses um, for you to not be in their life, then you have to respect that 
decision whether you understand the reasoning or not. And that was um, very healing for me to, to, because I do that, you know, I, I have select people in my life. Um, I, I've never been the kind of person that would ever cut somebody out of my life or my existence, but there are people that I've had to keep at arm's length. I'm sure you understand that too, um, where it's like, this person cannot be in my bubble right now. And it, it was hard to be on the receiving end of that pushback. This, I can't be in that person's bubble um, when, when, when they were such a big part of my life as a mentor. Um, but rather than dwell on that, I think what has transpired for me since then um, is the notion that I need to stay connected with the people that are moving in forward directions and positivity and, and, and I need to be that for them too, whenever I can be, um, life's too short for me to hold grudges, um, or to worry about people's opinions of me. And that's a hard one as a human species, we want community and we want tribe and we want people to like and love us and to appreciate us. And um, when we don't feel that, when I don't feel that specifically, when I don't feel that, um, I can go to really dark places, you know, uh, I, at my worst was, uh, living in the back bedroom of, uh, abandoned Victorian house in Columbus, Ohio with a broken box springs to sleep on and a coffee can in the corner to pee in. I mean, that's where my addictions and, and alcoholism took me and, to live the life that I have now, I don't know how I cannot be grateful. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know how I cannot be grateful for every little minute of it. Cause I'm, I wasn't supposed to be here. I wasn't supposed to make it through that. And, um, it is a series of gratitudes that, that keep me, alive really um so thanks for asking me about that <laughs> no yeah i mean i think you touched on a lot of stuff there i um like wanting to stay alive and like the the, the gratitudes like keeping you going i i think i'm still trying to figure that out you know like it's i've always mentioned you know as a kid i've always had mental health issues i had suicidal thoughts and depression ever since I was a kid and I would pray to Allah, you know, like that he would strike me and just end it because like, God, you know, you're 13 years old and you're thinking about stuff like this, you know? And when I left Islam, like, well, sorry, I backtracked a little bit at the time. Like I couldn't commit suicide because that is goes against Islam. And I was still a devoted Muslim. But then like, once I left Islam, I was like, well, you don't have that anymore you know so what's keeping your head above water right now because right now it feels like that moment of like oh yeah i'm drowning and uh i can breathe a little bit but like gosh like we're, we're filling up with water right now like i don't know how to get out of this situation and yeah i originally i th i thought i knew what was and for a while at least like all of 2019 i felt like i knew where i was gonna go like i've had it planned out and the pandemic shift that, shifted that. And I don't think, and you know, I blame the pan, pan, pandemic for a lot of things, but I think a lot of it was me realizing a bunch of stuff and me reflecting. And 
I've reverted. I went, I had to go back. And now I'm still trying to figure out what's keeping my head above water. A little bit of it is the podcast, but like, why haven't I committed suicide yet? You know, like, why am, and why am I still alive? Like, I have every reason right. in my brain anyway. Like, this is the way I think. Like, I know and acknowledge that I have people who love me and would be devastated if I were to kill myself, you know? But, but like the reality of the situation when it comes to depression and mental illness, like it feels real in your head, like you're going to do it. Yep, There's right. something in there that's like still fighting. Like I'm, I'm right. going to therapy and stuff like that. So I think with you, you've, and I don't want to, I don't want to make an assumption and say like, yeah, you figured it out. You got it. Yeah. You, you got a grasp on it. Yeah. You, you, you conquered mental illness <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. But it, to me anyway, it seems like you have something that's keeping your head above water. It's, making you float right now and right now in therapy what i'm trying to figure out is what what is that spark that yeah. and and how can i like make it a flame if that right. makes sense it does absolutely yeah 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 so um no thank you for sharing that jeremy we are getting pretty close to the end here and this is a question i like to ask us on the show um when it comes to like bigger stuff like this like, you know, texting uh, or empathy or writing. I, I like to like juice it up a little bit. <laughs> so okay. I want to ask you a question. Um, there are 50 followers on Spotify for this show, about 10 followers, 10 subscribers on YouTube who will watch this video so far. Hopefully there's more but, uh, <laughs> one day. Um, and then TikTok, if I do decide to click this out, there's about 28 people on TikTok. And you know, our friends watch this show and um, other people watch this show too. What's a text message? Like pretend like we're all in that group chat, like the wayward okay. artists out there. Okay. What is, what is the, send out a text message to them. What do you want to tell them right now that they, you think that they should hear right now? Uh, a gratitude. Oh, that's good. Um... I'm grateful that I am surrounded by people who are trying to better themselves. Um, I'm grateful that my past experiences don't define my future. I'm grateful that um, I have people in my life who speak truth to me and that I can speak truth to. I'm grateful that just for today, I don't have to alter my mental landscape to get through the day with some outside um, source. Um, and I'm grateful for new connections. You know, I, I, I have always, since I met you, felt this connection, right? And you have asked me in the past, you're like, yeah, you should come on sometime. And I'm like, yeah, I should. That'd be cool. <laughs> just so we can get to know each other better. But um, I'm grateful that the universe provides new connections too, and that I don't have to be just solely reliant on a small group of friends. I can start to expand that in ways that um, internally I might be uncomfortable with. <laughs> I seem like such an extrovert, but really I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I think I'm an energetic introvert <laughs> oh, yeah. and, it, and it comes across as, as being an extrovert, extrovert, but, um, 
you know, truthfully, my, my, my core group is, is small and it's, you know, maybe too small. Maybe I, I need to start expanding, um, those connections in ways, but I'm grateful for, for, for being on the show. Honestly. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Talking about like, you know, connections and stuff. Like, I think you're already doing that with stage left. I think it sounds to me like stage left means more to you than just like the Spokane community. I mean, like, obviously like it, it, it does mean a lot to the Spokane community. We're, we're, it's pretty clear, but it seems like it means more to you in your journey. It, it does. I mean, it's a culmination of a lot of, um, a lot of talents and past experiences have kind of filtered into, oh my God, okay, I'm going to be, you know, leadership in this small little progressive theater in Spokane. Um, and it, um, it does provide me that way to connect. I know, I know that it, when you said you're kind of doing that with stage left, yes, I, I do do that. I do reach out and make connections in ways that um, maybe hasn't happened for that theater before or for myself before, but I guess what I'm speaking to in terms of enlarging my circle is um, allowing those connections to really filter into my personal life too. Um, I'm pretty good with business um, and I'm pretty good with, you know, making connections business wise, but I'm less so at making connections on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, I know it might not seem that way because I ramble and talk like forever. <laughs> you give me a subject or a question and I'll, I'll keep talking, but um, really just embracing the, um, the new friendships that I'm making along the way. Um, the pandemic, that's another way it's affected me, right? Is, is, um, you, you find out who your friends are for one, you know, when you're stuck at home, right? Who do you connect with? Who are the people that you choose to be in your circle of connectivity when you're stuck in your home for 14 months with no outside influence? Um, and now I guess I really am hoping to start to expand that circle and that bubble of connectivity on a, on a, on a more personal level. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy, for sharing all this. I, yeah. it's always funny, this show, like you bring on a guest and you, you get an idea. Cause like, they're your friend. Right. And they're going to talk about a certain thing. Like, Oh, there's something cool here. Like that we can talk about. And we have cool conversations like this and it just like blows my mind. So thank yeah. you for sharing. Thank you for opening up about all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm very excited to see where you go from here. Well, thank you. I'm excited yeah. to see where you go too. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. Wayward artists. This is wayward artists in a wayward world. We are in the lightning round questions of the show. Just a little something that will, maybe a little bit more uplifting <laughs> than a lot of the, the darker, but like, you know, positive stuff that we talked about. Um, it's a series of five questions that I like to ask us each and every week. They're fun. They're not so quick because we'll talk about them forever. Jeremy, are you ready? I am ready. Uh, question number one, tell me what's your, wow, I forgot the phrasing of it. What would be your perfect day? Perfect day would be waking up to slightly overcast weather, 75 degrees, uh, a nice breakfast, uh, a text of gratitude to my circle of people, um, a conversation with my boyfriend, um, a walk in nature outside somewhere, um, 
participating in creating something artistic that day, whatever that looks like, whether it's at work or at home, um, more food, <laughs> love food, yeah. um, good, interesting food, um, and uh, some relaxation, whatever that looks like, whether it's also outside or just, you know, um, some meditation in my room, um, and then a good night's sleep. That's, that's pretty much a perfect day for me. Yeah. A lot of people on this show, they mention a lot of simple things. And I think it's very fascinating. Like, I'm, I'm curious, do you know, do you think you might know why, like, or have an answer of like, why people enjoy like simple stuff? Is it because like, we're so busy all the time? Or, or we're so like, we're so strained with like work? like that work and hustle. Yeah. That's an interesting question because looking back at what I just said, it's all, it's all very like, you know, common, simple things, um, that make for a perfect day. And I think that's really the answer. The question answers itself. You know, if my day is simplistic, if I can keep everything simple, then I feel like I've had a good day. It's when the complications of life, whatever the clamors of the world start to infiltrate my brain, uh, and I go off on tangents, right? Oh, shit, now I have to think about this. Now I have to think about this. It's when those are gone that I feel is a perfect day. Yeah. Um, question number two, what song describes your life right now? <laughs> what song describes my life right now? Um, probably it's so stupid that this song is in my head now because you just asked this somewhere over the rainbow it's so stupid but the ukulele version by, by Isaac, uh, uh what's his name the hawaiian guy yeah. um, um izzy israel izzy. I, yeah, yeah. yeah yep izzy. yeah love I love, I love that version of it and um the notion i think that there's always something excitingly new just around the horizon I think has been a pretty guiding force in my life recently and and I hope it continues to be yeah and rainbows are gay rainbows are super gay I'm wearing <laughs> a, a, look a rainbow chat nice. shirt <laughs> yeah you got the rainbow legos over there yeah I saw that <laughs> um question number three what is your third favorite movie Third favorite movie. Okay, so I, I can't say my first two. Um, I mean, you can say them, but like, what's your definitive? <laughs> what's your definitive third favorite movie? Definitive third favorite movie: The Fifth Element with Bruce Fifth Willis. Element. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. Oh I my gosh. To. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. It'll at least be your sixth favorite movie. <laughs> um. I forgot to mention about the the song part is uh, the wayward artists out there can listen to that song over, uh, somewhere over the rainbow by Izzy on the uh, wayward songs for wayward artists playlist, which is a in a, a compilation of everybody's songs that describe their lives right now. I love so that. It is a hodgepodge mess, you know, but it's, <laughs> it's, a, beautiful, it, it's a beautiful mess, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, question number four, what's your favorite ice cream topping or gelato or frozen yogurt or what have you uh caramel it's always caramel caramel has my heart whether it's candy or ice cream or ice cream toppings or anything just intravenously feed me caramel and i am a happy man yeah what are you getting on top of it though are you getting like the syrup or like the caramel cubes or oh yeah caramel syrup and like english toffee crunchies Ooh, that yeah. sounds dope yeah is yeah. it like over a vanilla ice cream 
or under? Uh, it, it'd be over plain vanilla ice cream. Yeah, that's perfect. The yeah. van- vanilla ice cream is the perfect conduit for, for all things to be added to it. Exactly. Um, question number five, speaking of caramel or caramel, however you pronounce it, um, left Twix or right Twix? Oh, middle Twix. Oh, there's no middle Twix. <laughs> exactly. And why not? <laughs> I mean, the Twix brand will probably like, I don't know, they probably won't do that. But like, you, okay. you got you to pick right or left, though. Okay, then left. Obviously, I'm, I'm very left. Everything about okay. me is left. I mean, that makes sense. It's on brand, stage left. On brand, like, right? I, well, I guess like, theoretically, it's right. If, it, if we're talking <laughs> stage left. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. That's, I mean, if you're a theater person, it is stage left, but if you're, I guess like a normal person, like it's, it's the right. That's true. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. Well, um, uh, guys, this is a wayward artist in a wayward world. We upload every Sunday. Uh, Make sure you like comment, subscribe to the show. Follow us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, all your, anything that has a cast in it. We're there. Um, (laughs) But YouTube, uh, YouTube would be cool too because you get to watch the video. Um, Jeremy, any final words? Oh, you kind of cut out on me. What was the question? Oh, any last words? Quickly uh, before it's too late. <laughs> I got nothing. I, I just thanks for having me, man. Really cool. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, uh, wayward artist. Uh, without further ado, it's been real. <laughs>